This is Lego Football. Ecco, let's take a look at the latest from La Gazzetta, a full breakdown on Serie B with Richard Hall, a snippet of a feature interview with Chiacchierata Calcistica, our Serie A Rewind of the Week, and introducing the Lega Football Mosconi moment. This is in memory of Germano Mosconi, who was actually born in Verona, a sports journalist and an anchorman. And basically since the inception of YouTube, he became an internet celebrity and that's how I actually found him. Mosconi, born in Verona, was a well-known television personality in northern Italy due to his sportcasting on Telenuovo Network in Verona in the 1980s until his death in early March 2012. Every now and then, he would go to the swear word department, blasphemy, insults and other rude language, both in Venetian and Italian, as well as other humorous antics and that's what made his videos go viral. So let's give you a sample of what he was capable of. Amici, ne ascolto un cordiale buongiorno. Quella di ieri è... Cos'è che è caduto dall'altra parte, Dio? Dio Bono. Dai, ricominciamo da capo, dai. Vaffanculo! Se io trovo quello che mi ha fatto innervosire il cane da un pugno che gli spacco la testa. Dio... Lo troverò quel deficiente prima o dopo, eh. Perché mi prendi il motore? Perché chi è che sarà la porta, Dio cane? No, nessuno, Gesù Cristo, no, nessuno. He did lose his temper on air and occasionally. So do footballers and people working in sport and calcio. Well, let me give you an example of a Mosconi moment. We'll go into the past, we'll go into last season. Davide Nicola throwing his shoe on the touchline. That's what we're going to consider a Mosconi moment. Let's go back even further. Giovanni Trapattoni hurling insults during a press conference. A Mosconi moment. Now let's bring in match day one and let's go to the Brianteo. Adriano Galliani with his frustrations during the Monza Torino match. And you can see images in the highlights reel on the Serie A YouTube channel if you go and watch the Monza Torino highlights. A little bit upset that Filippo Ranocchia didn't find the back of the net from outside the box. A little bit harsh in my opinion. Then there's Andre Radu for his Mosconi moment. The way he reacted punching the goalpost when Fiorentina's winner went in. Understandable though. Most professional sportsmen would react in a very similar way. But for me, and this one's coming from Serie B, the Mosconi moment of the week is Roberto Venturato for Spal. The post-game moment that he had with Filippo Inza We've tweeted about this on the Lega Football profile. Before the match started, Venturato wanted to shake hands with Pippo Inzaghi, but Inzaghi was nowhere to be found. Instead, he was talking to the Spal Sporting Director, former colleague of Inzaghi's elsewhere. And uh, Venturato let that simmer all game and eventually his side lost. 3-1 to Regina, big start for Pippo. Post-game, Filippo then went looking for Venturato and Venturato wanted nothing to do with him and then let him have a few words. And that is our Mosconi moment of the week. Serie B. The Serie B match of the round, Venezia Genoa bring Richard Hall back in for this one. The battle of the two famous port cities. It finished an away win for Genoa. Good start to the season for them. 2-1 over Venezia. Richard, did you get to watch this one? Well, well, both of these teams, but more Genoa, have a little nice place in my heart because um, for anyone who's not read the book about William Garbett and the, the, how he really brought Genoa on, uh, it's a really great book to, to, to read. And I think because there's a real 
English um, affiliation. Um, Genoa has always been, I don't know, the atmosphere there. I know that most people would go towards Sampdoria because of the kit and because of, you know, ever since 1946, it's been more the newer club. But for me and you, David, you know that I douse myself in Italian football history and I go right back and we have a laugh about this in the Inter podcast that I always talk about players from the 30s or the 60s. So with Genoa, for me, it's one of, it's, it's the oldest club. It's an English loving club. It's a club with so much history that I I think gets a lot of bad press. So yeah, I was definitely watching this. And then you've got Venezia, which is just slick, lovely, beautiful. Uh although we'll see. Well, I'm gonna ask you a question, David, here. I think Geno had the better kit. And that's not something you normally say when you come up against Venezia. That's a big statement because Venezia is known as the fashionable football club, not just of Italy, but of the planet. Genoa's away kit, yeah, did look very stylish. Whoever's in charge there is doing a good job, so I have to agree with you. The nine times Serie A champions. Also, uh, Genoa going for their seventh Serie B title and off to a fantastic start. Let's go through some of the match details with Portanova sprinting away, beating the offside trap, but still had to shift that ball past Jesse Joranen and slide it in from an acute angle and over the top of two pairs of legs as Venezia defenders slid to block the shot brilliantly done in the end for 1-0 at a rowdy Pierluigi Penzo that goal had Genoa ahead in the 37th minute tremendous work by Milan Bardell as well to launch that pass forward catching Venezia off guard as they were pressing to score at the other end superb goal Richard I can't understand why Portanova is still at Genoa now I want him to be at Genoa because I want Genoa to do well but I just think that he's one of those players who I expected in the pre-season to be signed by a I don't know even we talked about a Swallow earlier on, we talked about now we could talk about Napoli, we could talk about so many clubs that would why has no one signed this guy? He's he's incredible for me, he's incredible. I just think he's and he's very versatile, real, he's very versatile. Yeah, exactly. He can play as a mezzala, he can play as a seconda punta, and he's exactly. had his hair cut. The long locks have gone, he's got the short hair, he's the uh, you know, looking a bit more smart, casual now. <laughs> maybe maybe it's uh, given him that burst of pace that he was lacking in Serie A last season. I agree. I'm surprised that he hasn't stayed in Serie A with someone. He's gone to Genoa from Juventus. But, you know, last season, Genoa were battling, and I called a couple of the Genoa games at the time when Blessing took over. Even the nil-all draws that they were getting, and I think they had five or six. But he looked like a club man. Every pass, he was challenging. He was... Yeah. He seems like one of those dogmatic Genoa players wants to stay there and see the job through and get them back to Paradiso. So I absolutely agree about Portanova here. And some of the other players that have stuck with him, like Ekuban, you know, he, his acrobatic attempt in the second half from a corner. Yes. Joranen uh, got behind it, though. The ball looked like it was skimming off the surfaces at times. But Venezia was rewarded. Let's talk about Venezia for their determination when Johnson pounced. It was... The Nicolas Pierini free kick cannoned into Genoa's new keeper, Josip Martinez, and then bounced back into play. And the Norwegian, four goals in Serie B for the Arantxaneto Verdi in 2020-21. He made no mistake and crest into the gaping goal. You know, good free kick, tested out the keeper. Lucky bounce, but Johnson put it away. Uh, that's the one thing, Janet, ever since Perrin um, left and now he came back on loan again. Uh, but Martinez there, that would worry me a little bit. I want, I'd like to see Martinez a, a few more times. Um, you know, you look at that back line, you see the likes of Barney in there. Um, have the some good players, but Dragosin as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. 
Payac has come back from Brescia now, so he's quite a crafty left back. Yeah, exactly. You talk about versatile players and there's someone. I think this general squad is really strong. I'm very protective over goalkeepers because of my past. <laughs> but uh, but it was a bad mistake. It was a bad mistake. But I look at this general team and weirdly, I look at it and find them far more exciting in Serie B than they've been in Serie A for many a moon. Yeah, struggle street in Serie A. Via del Struggle for uh, Genoa. Back to the match now with the scores at 1-1. Both sides could have won it. Venezia didn't hold back, but Genoa took the points with Kelvin Yeboah's header. That was a winner three minutes from time. He actually started the move before laying it off to Novakovic, who took it to the byline and curled it perfectly back to Yeboah who had repositioned himself. He was around that penalty spot area and that enabled him to run with pace at the ball get a good vertical leap in as we saw how easily he got up and over Rigciano Haps and he steered that into the far corner. That happened right in front of the Genoa fans who'd made the trip over and scenes for that goal. They knew that that was the winner. Well, absolutely. And, you know, the one thing I think we started this conversation talking about the Genoa fans and they're absolutely iconic. They're probably as good as the Atalanta fans and the facts of every time. And, you know, you see the new uh, little babies born and, 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 there's always a general flag around the little baby. It's like a thing that they do. And that's what I was saying before. For me, they I would like them back in City yeah, because I do think the fans are incredible. And you could see it there when Calvin Uboa scores. And again, I, I'm going to flick back. I think that those results, we, we talked about this before, those results in the early season games matter. But it's not how you win, it's just that you win. And I think that this for Genoa will give them a, a big, 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 big boost. Especially, you know, you, you look and um, you think, okay, Serie B is going to be difficult this season. It's going to be one of the best leagues to watch this season, in my opinion. I'd rather watch this than many of the leagues, which I won't name. I'll be watching a lot of Serie B. And I think because you've got so many good teams, when we talk about Benevento, we talk about Brescia, we talk about God knows who, it's going to be a really tough, tough fight. But for Genoa, I'm backing them this season in City of B. They're, they're sort of my club in City of B to go, to go up. What a start. It doesn't matter how it comes. It had that feeling as if, you know, it was Lecce Inter with a late winner as well, away from home. It was, as you said, just a game where you had to get the three points yeah. any which way you could. And I might just mention that was Kelvin Yeboah's first goal for Genoa. He didn't get one in 17 appearances in Serie A last term. His last league goal was for Sturm Graz in the Austrian Bundesliga in December 2021. A big moment for him. Genoa take the points. There was some controversy right at the death as Venezia thought they'd equalise, but it was chalked off for offside and rightly so. Genoa making a statement here. They win away on match day one against one of the favourites to go up to Serie A. But where to now for Javucic and Venezia? They'd had rotten luck you could say, Richard, with 13 players testing positive for the Coppa Italia, of which they've now been eliminated. Some of those players unused in this game. It's not the end of the world, but another test and a sentimental test for Ivan Javocic comes on match day two already. Next up against the club that he managed until two months ago, Sud Tirol. Yes. Back to his old stomping ground at the Druso in Bolzano. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, it will be tough. And Venezia have been unlucky and obviously, you know, we we've said before wanting to do quite well and Sudsrola of course you know going down 2-0 to Brescia on the opening day so I, I think that's a game where for me Venezia have to get a result I think if we are if we have that same maybe I'm assuming here but okay let's just say it's my dream that Genoa and Venezia go back up I'm looking at their that game sorry and thinking well you know Brescia 2-0 against Sudsrola 
Obviously, uh, if, I think Brescia are a good team as well. I think they could do well. Brescia are a great team. A great very win. unlucky to bow out against Pisa in the playoffs. Absolutely. I might just mention here, they are a good team. And, and this is how good Sud Tirol's debut was in Serie B. Yes, they lost 2-0, but they had more ball possession. Goal attempts were 20 for Sud Tirol against 8 for Brescia. So 12 more. The shots on goal that were on target, roughly the same. So... You know, nothing doing there. But in terms of corner kicks and other stats in the games, it was very, very even. Or Sudtirol had the better of the game. Of course, when you're chasing the game, it often pans out that way. The opening goal there was in the 37th minute. So Sudtirol chasing the game since then. It was their debut. They would have loved Javucic at the helm because he broke those records with Sudtirol. They were the best performing team and, and club in Europe last yeah. uh, season. And I've actually interviewed Javucic about this a couple of months ago after the season's end for Serie C Lega Pro, and he was still at the club. So you can find that on the Lega Football podcast as well, and also on the YouTube channel if you want to see Ivan himself. And he also mentions uh, uh, one of the former Brescia great players, Roberto Baggio, but um, Genoa hosting Benevento next and another massive yes. game that they'd love to win as La Strega is one of the favourites to finish in yes. the top eight, but they lost on the weekend at home to Cosenza. Automatic promotion is the objective undoubtedly for Blessin and you would expect for Benevento as well. Completely. And I think that was the biggest shock. That was probably my biggest shock of the weekend, Benevento losing, because uh, you look at um, uh Glick, obviously, you look down that squad, Viviani, there's so many good players there for a Forte, Tello, and you look... Akampara, my, my, one of my favourite midfielders uh, in the league, Akampara. Yeah. Just and solid, yeah, absolutely. So solid. And this squad feels like it's been on the progression to go up, and it's building, building, building. Might not be the most spectacular team you're going to watch. Again, brilliant stadium, brilliant fans, but to go one 0 down on the opening day, I think if Genoa, I think this is the statement game for Genoa. I'm going to go so far and say this is how exciting City of B is well, already. Genoa, that that is the one game apart from, of course, Inter, because I have to be clip colours and tick <laughs> the box. But no, in a serious note, uh, Benevento, Genoa, uh, Genoa Benevento, sorry, is the game I've got my eye on because I just think that could really, really knock Syria B, like knock all our head spaces because in my, in my eyes, Benevento win this game and then it's all to play for. But if Genoa win this and Blessing's got this idea that we know he has... It will send chills down the spines of all the other opposing coaches, even the likes of Pippo Inzaghi at Regina. And he's got a really good squad. Venezia, they actually sent Francesco Forte over to Benevento in January. He's still there. He didn't get on the score sheet. It was Laravie, the ex-Serie uh, A and uh, Serie B player that he played with Cagliari. He was their hero, including in the playout against Vicenza. He got that goal. Yeah. Huge win away from home because they are always starving for points the wolves of Cosenza so look I'll leave it with you there we'll hope to have you again on the podcast soon we love our regular contributor Richard Hall he's available on Twitter if you want to see what he's talking about at richhall80 and he's the host of the Inter podcast in English he was the Lego contributor today for the Lecce Inter breakdown and also the Venezia Genoa Richard thanks so much for coming on always a pleasure Love talking about City B and, of course, City A and Inter. So thank you, David. Grazie mille.
I'd like to thank Richard Hall for joining us once again. Richard does love to watch a bit of third division as well, but let's go to the first Serie B game of the season. It was Bari up against Parma at the Tardini. Dennis Mann with the opening goal in the first three minutes of play. A lovely run in from the right side. The inverted winger shooting on his left and finding the corner. The equaliser coming from an Antonucci penalty. He took this one twice and eventually got it right on the second time. Michael Folaruncho then made it 2-1 with an absolute bullet into the corner from outside the box. Parma getting a point with an equaliser from Valentin Mahela. Parma goes to Perugia on match day two. Bari hosts Palermo. What a game that's going to be. And all Palermo fans, this is the sound of Brunori. Getting Palermo ahead from the spotter after Salvatore Elia was brought down by Francesco Lisi in the 22nd minute. Lisi was expelled with just a quarter of the game played, not the start that new Perugia coach Fabrizio Castori was expecting. Elia then doubled the lead by finishing under Stefano Gori. Brunori providing for the former Perugia player who refused to celebrate out of respect for his former side. Elia put away nine goals in Serie C for the Grifoni in 2020-21. He spent last term with Benevento and now arrives at the Renzo Barbera at 23 years of age. And what a defense-building pass in from Brunori and what a signing he's proven to be for Palermo over the past 12 months. We'll see how many goals he can get for the term. 10 of 11 starting players for Eugenio Corini's Palermo were Italian, 7 for Perugia, something you simply won't see in Serie A. And next up, Perugia at home against Parma. Palermo travels to Bari. Cittadella won 4-3 over Pisa. That was on Saturday night. Masucci with a flying volley against Cittadella. Then the response from Baldini to pick out the bottom corner. And the way he waved his hands after the ball went in to say, Mamma Mia, what a brilliant goal. And what a brilliant player he is. Baldini then had a penalty saved incredibly by Nicolas. Four minutes later, Baldini got revenge with a second penalty attempt by sending Nicolas the other way. Pisa came undone in 10 minutes, conceding three goals. Total turnaround in defensive form compared to last season in which they boasted the best defense for 95% of the campaign. An own goal went in by Hermansen. Then another penalty awarded to Chitta. It was Raul Asensio who stepped up to convert that one. That's two goals in as many competitive games for the Spaniards since joining. A couple of late goals brought it back to 4-3 to make it more respectable for Pisa, the last one in the 98th minute. A good result for Gorini and Cittadella. Rolando Miranda, new Pisa coach, with a loss in the first game of the season. Pisa host Como next, and Cittadella go over to Cagliari. And it was Como who drew with Cagliari 1-1 at the Giuseppe Sinigaglia. It was Gattuso versus Liverani, that's Giacomo Gattuso, the Como coach. Simone Guidotti debuted in goal for him and made a big save with Pavoletti's header. Another debutant, Leonardo Mancuso, he opened his account by turning in Alex Blanco's assist in the 19th minute for Como. Parigini had the chance to seal the result, but Cagliari stole a point in the 93rd minute. A bullet from Gaston Pereiro from 30 yards found the top corner. The Uruguayan made it a habit of scoring crucial goals for the Castedu last season in Serie A. I thought Folaruncho's hit for Bari was a shoo-in for Serie B goal of the week, but this one pips it. A rocket from Gaston Pereiro. Absolutely ruthless. I'll race through Sunday's Serie B Results, Ascoli beating Ternana at the Stadio Cino Elilo del Luca in Ascoli. Botteguin and Colocolo got goals for Ascoli. And Andrea Favilli with his first for Ternana. 
Benevento losing at home. Cosenza getting the job done by heading north to the Chiro Vigorito. A star-studded Benevento outfit. They've still got Camel Glick. They've still got Francesco Forte, a Campora in midfield. Diego Farias is there as well with Letizia at right back, but they couldn't get anything out of this game. Laravi, once again, the ex-Caliri man who was the Cosenza hero under Bisoli a few months ago in the playout against Vicenza to save Cosenza from going down to Lega Pro. He got the job done for Davide Dionigi, their new coach. Fabio Caserta, well, his side now will travel to Genoa. Big game there, Genoa Benevento and Cosenza host Modena. Sudtirol traveled to Brescia for their first ever Serie B match. They went down 2-0 at the Stadio Mario Rigamonti. Ndoy and Bianchi with the goals for La Leonessa, who were now led by Pep Clotet once again. Leandro Greco, a former player, he is the mister at Sud Tirol with the departure of Lamberto Zauli. The scoreline doesn't necessarily reflect what happened during the game. There were 20 attempts at goal for Sud Tirol compared to eight only for Brescia. But goals are what counts on the scoreboard. Three points going the way of Pep Clotet. Modena losing at home to Frosinone. Modena also newly promoted. This one was played at the Stadio Alberto Braglia. Attilio Tese, the coach of Modena, was up against Fabio Grosso. That's right, the former World Cup winner. It was the Swedish midfielder, Marcus Roden, who got the winner, the only goal of the game in the 34th minute. Modena are away at Cosenza next, and Frosinone host pressure. Spal, well, this game had some controversy. As I mentioned before, in the Moscone moment, Regina with a 3-1 away win at the Stadio Palomazza. Roberto Venturato up against Filippo Inzaghi, the new coach of Regina. Crisi Teg, Jeremy Menez and Rivas with the three goals. Regina led 3-0 and Lamantia pulled one back for Spal in the 79th minute. Spal heads south to Ascoli on match day two and Ternana hosts Regina. So overall, eight winners in Serie B, 29 goals scored. So an entertaining start for those who love the Italian second tier. Match day two gets underway with Bari and Palermo. That's going to be played at the Arecchi in Salerno as the San Nicola in Bari is undergoing renovations. That'll be a 8.45 p.m. local time kickoff on Friday night. Three games on the Saturday and six games on the Sunday. Serie A due is something to watch and keep tabs on. Sutirol hosts Venezia on Sunday night, and that is the return of Ivan Javocic to his former side. Perugia and Parma should be a cracker as well. Pisa, Como. There's just great games all across the league. Cagliari hosting Cittadella. Genoa Benevento, it just doesn't stop. Looking forward to every week of this division. Who says you can't get your source of entertainment from Italian football? Goals are plenty across the divisions. The third division starts in a couple of weeks' time. This is Lega Football. If you visit today's La Gazzetta dello Sport website, you will see that the headlines are focused on Inter Milan. One article in particular is about the last five years with some of their junior players not really playing much at all, but being sold on to other clubs for big money. And uh, it goes on to explain how it's a goldmine of youth players at Inter with 90 million euros taken. Then there is the last assault by PSG on Skriniar. Inter's put up a wall and they're naming their price 90 million euros that he will depart for. But the French side have put up an offer of 65 million. So we'll see how that one goes. Roma. 
well, an idea, a last idea for Jose Mourinho is Kiwior, the Polish defensive midfielder from Spezia. Price tag of 10 million euros. There's a clip of Ibrahimovic on his yacht. Still out injured, won't be back till January at the earliest. And then there is an article on Spalletti and Napoli. The revolution. Some of the best colpi di mercato, the best the best transfers of the market. There's three final transfers coming this week with Ndombele, Raspadori and Simeone. So a big transfer market, especially compared to last season for the Partenope. Lucas Torreira saying that he's always going to be with Fiorentina Viola. Sempre con te on his social media. Another story there. And one on... Dipe's tattoos. So do go and check out La Gazzetta if you've got time today. Let's go through some of the probabili formazioni. First match of the round is Torino-Lazio. So both sides will be starting with so Sasha Lukic in that Torino side. After some doubts, Sanabria, Radonjic and Vlasic from West Ham is predicted to start. Felipe Anderson, Immobile and Zaccagni for Lazio. Casale is available for Maurizio Sari and Providel will be in goals. And that's because Maximiano is suspended after, after his debut match, getting sent off after four minutes. Moranchuk missing for Torino. He'll be out for just over a month. Udinese Salernitana. You'll all remember the final day at the Arecchi last season where Udinese trounced Salernitana 4-0. This week we should see the return of Destiny Udogi for Le Zebrette. Dielofeo and success up forward. Beto once again should be starting from the bench. And Soppi is out. Ebosele favoured to start there for Salernitana, Bonazzoli and Botheim up front. Giulio Maggiore, the new signing this week. He should feature from the first minute alongside Candreva. So Salernitana with some signings in the final couple of weeks in this window. Inter and Spezia, former Antonio Conte duo of Lukaku and Lautaro. Ambrosio and Mkhitaryan are back for Spezia. Daniele Verde is unavailable. So Daniel Maldini is favoured to come into the side, but he should at least get some minutes. You would think, and what a story that would be if he could score against the Milanese cousins, Trelets and Enzola, favoured to start up forward for Luca Gotti's side. Sassuolo Lecce, both sides coming off a loss to the big boys, Juventus and Inter last week. And Asan Cisse should start again with Strefezza and Di Francesco in support. Tuya is back for Lecce. Could come into the side to partner Baschirotto. Maxime Lopez is back for Sassuolo. Mulder is out though. Should be out for about three months with that injury. Pinamonti should start up forward with Berardi. Raspadori is gone, so it'll be a new look. Dionisi Sassuolo side. Scamacca also leaving. He actually scored for West Ham in the Europa League last night. Empoli Fiorentina, the Tuscan derby. Fiorentina also playing in Europe this week. They won 2-1 over FC Twente, Cabral and Gonzalez with the goals. And they should both start up forward with Saponara, according to Gazeta. Dodo may get a start as well, coming into the side for Benassi. They're playing away at Empoli. Sam Lammers should play up forward once again with Destro and Bayrami. De Winter is a name thrown into the centre-half pairing in place of Ismaili. Napoli-Monza, a big, big challenge for Giovanni Stroppa and co. Andrea Petagna will line up against his former side. Good-looking Monza side on paper. They didn't gel in that first match 
at home against Torino. Perhaps a little bit of stage fright, but perhaps Torino are just a good team. Carlos Augusto is in doubt, but they will assess his situation coming up to Sunday afternoon before the game. Well, for Napoli, what a start to their season. A 5-2 away win in Verona. They look solid in midfield as well with Anguisa and Labotka. The only question mark is in defense. They did concede two goals, but it was only the first game of the season, but they do look a little bit fragile at the back. We'll see if Monza can exploit that. Petania should know all about new signing Kim Min-jae, having just left Napoli for Monza last week. Atalanta, Milan, well, what a mouthwatering clash. This is Gasparini against Pioli. Both sides with a win on match day one. It'll be Muriel and Zapata up against Kalulu and Tomori and Rafael Liao with Rebic, Diaz and Messias up against Toroi, Okoli and Jim City. So there will be battles all around the park and the favorites will be the Rossoneri, but Atalanta at home, they always put in a good performance. Lukman scored on debut last weekend against Sampdoria. He will probably come in at some stage. Jeremy Borga is there, Malinowski. So they are potent off the bench. De Ketelere and Origi starting on the bench for Milan, who are looking to offload Bakayoko. Bologna, Verona, two sides that took the lead against their respective opponents last week. Odnatovic getting on the score sheet, as did Henri and Lasagna for Verona. But both sides will be looking to at least get a result here to take the pressure off the coaches. Choffi will not want to start the season with a loss and elimination in the Coppa Italia and then two straight defeats in the league. Miguel Veloso should be back for Verona. Barak favoured to start from the bench again. So unsure what's happening there because he would be their most cunning attacking force to at least start moves and, and draw in defenders so that you can free up space for the likes of Henri or Lasagna. And up forward for Bologna, Sansone Arnautovic in support down the flanks with De Silvestri and Cambiazzo. Sumaro is disqualified for this one and Sansone is favoured to get a start over Orsolini. Roma Cremonese, another big task for Massimiliano Alvini. They lost to Fiorentina, that heartbreaking moment right at the death with Radu. But they looked okay, even down to 10 men. Cremonese held their own against Fiorentina, but they will be up against Abraham, Dybala, Pellegrini, Spinazzola and co. So it's going to be hard for their defense that features Bianchetti, who got on the score sheet against Fiorentina. Vasquez is there. And their forward line with Zanimake, Desers and Okereke. The round is finished off with Sampdoria and Juventus. Giampalo up against Allegri. Not the two most exciting coaches. But Vlaovic is looking good. He's looking like a machine out there on match day one. So tough to deal with as a defender. And Ferrari and Colli will see what they can manage up against the likes of Kostic that may come into the side with Moise Keen. So... Djuricic, Caputo and Sabiri, three attackers that have come into the Sampdoria side in the last 6 to 18 months. Caputo is still their number one striking option. Leverbe, a new signing from Pisa, a defender, a French defender, is an option for Giampaolo. Not sure you'd want to throw him in for his debut against Juventus though. For Juventus, Di Maria is out and therefore Keane is the favourite to take his place. As we were saying before, some... Good young talent on that Juve bench with Gatti, Miretti, Rovella, Fagioli. 
Also a really good young striker on the bench for Sampdoria. I'm not talking about the evergreen Fabio Quagliarella. Talking about Manuel De Luca. I think he got into double figures last year in Serie B with Perugia. He's there as an option. We'll see how he develops this season. So that's it for Serie A and Gazetta for this week. And next up, we've got a snippet from an interview. Andy Wallace, known as Chiacchierata Calcistica on Twitter. This is a subject close to supporters of Kiev or Verona. It is about Sergio Pellissier versus Luca Campedelli, the former owner of Kiev, and a possible resurgence back into top flight football. And boy, do you have a story for Lega Football regarding the demise of Kiev or Verona and an attempted resurgence. There is a saga here in which Andy will elaborate on a fight for the right to reclaim Verona's second football cultural identity. At one time, it was the first uh, identity of the city. A Kiev or Verona, the Giallo Blu, the Musi Volanti, the Flying Donkeys, whatever you want to call them. Kiev was ejected from Serie B in 2021, just before the beginning of last season. A club that was founded in 1929, I think it's 93, 94 years old now, and a club that represents a whole portion of the city of Verona. Kiev is an actual suburb for those that have never been there, like myself. And I'll put a few words and names out there for today's chat with Andy. Sergio Pellissier, the former loyal Kiev clubman of over 500 games. One game and a goal for Italy as well, Andy, for a perfect record of consistency there. Pellissier is the owner and former player of Clivens that plays in the lower leagues. Sauna in Serie D is another name that Andy's going to talk about. A former Kiev club owner, Luca Campedelli and some other names I'll just throw out there. San Martino Speme, Damiano Tomasi, the former Roma player who most will remember from the 2002 World Cup with Italy, the demise of Italy in South Korea and Japan 20 years ago now. And then there's even Vincenzo Iaquinta's son, just to throw in a dash of, I don't know, nostalgia and fresh blood at the same time. Andy, guide us as we traverse through this classico drama italiano. Well, uh, I think this one's a particularly interesting one to talk about because Kiev Verona are one of these teams that you either love them or hate them. Obviously because of the miracle, uh, you know, this, the whole story of them coming up. But also they seem to be one of the clubs that during the past 10, 20 years have just been hit by every scandal possible in Italian football, whether it was Calciopoli, whether it was you know, plus Valencia, whether it was your match-fixing scandals. Well, scandals are what Italian football's about, so please tell us more. <laughs> I suppose, I mean, Belicia himself, who was, you know, captain of, of Chievo for so many years, you touched on it yourself, over 500 appearances, capped by Italy. He was at the centre of the scandal about 10 years ago, where he was accused of fixing matches for a betting syndicate. Ultimately, he wasn't prosecuted for it, or at least, you know, the prosecution was was uh, dropped eventually. So he's kind of one of these figures who became this hero. There was a potential for everything to go pear-shaped, and then he's become this hero again. The demise of Kievo kind of happened all of a sudden last summer when they, together with other clubs such as Samari de Teze, eh, Casertana and Carpi, they were ejected from the league essentially. They lost their FA licence because of tax irregularities. So 
they were kicked out the league and forced to basically uh, start again. And Kiev was one of those. Yes. They didn't meet the requirements or their deal to pay back the tax authorities wasn't approved. Yeah, this was a, a strange one where they, together with, with other clubs, had agreed a, a kind of a, a scheme to pay back tax with the inland revenue, with the Italian tax administration. They'd accepted it, but it wasn't in line with league rules. So when they applied for an extension of their, their FA licence, they were basically turned down and said, no, you can't play in the league. And that was together with those other clubs. The other clubs were from Serie C. Now, what usually happens in that case, and this is quite a, a regular thing in Italian football, um, where clubs are you know, kicked out for all sorts of reasons. It happened this year with Catania, which is more to do with actual bankruptcies happened in recent years with Palermo, Bari. When a club is kicked out of the league, what usually happens is you have the, the mayor of the, the town or the city where that club is from tasked or he you know, tenders out the, the option for, for investors to come in and, and found a new club. The new suitors. Exactly. It's all private investment, so it's the mayor's job basically to get people interested in buying the club and, and you know, not, not buying the club that was there. The club that was there goes into a whole insolvency phase, but you know, founding this new club and they have to have this business plan. They have to be serious investors. So if you had a connection with the mayor, it could do you some good. It helps. Let's say, and I think you know there are different tender processes as well. For example, when when Barry were kicked out of the league and they had to start up again, they had about eight or nine bidders, you know, bidding to take the club. That doesn't usually happen. Usually, you have one or two. Recently, with Catania, they had a process where I think there were three interested bidders. Eventually, it was this. It was uh, an Australian group who. Oi oi oi, the Aussies. Yeah, who won their tender? And for Barry, it was it was the big hitter this time from, from eight or nine contenders, you know, the De Laurentiis family got in there, so. With Kievo, they went through this process as well, where the, the mayor looks for, for interest from different groups. And one of the first groups to express their interest was Sergio Pellissier, but he couldn't get the tender in on time. He couldn't bid in time. So ultimately, the, the whole process was, was abandoned. There was, there was no one interested in taking on um, I Mussi Volanti, the Flying Donkeys. A fascinating insight. And I'd like to thank Andy Wallace, Cacchiarata Calcistica, as he's known. That feature will be coming out next week sometime. We hope you enjoyed that snippet and that chat about Pellissier and Campadelli and Chievo and the future of Calcio in that area of Italy. For those of you who are new listeners, I'm David Farini, Serie A and Serie B match commentator and just general guy that hangs around the internet speaking about calcio and other random football things. So thanks for joining us. It's great to have you here. If you don't know much about us, Lego Football is also on Substack. We have a whole section on Serie B. It's not well covered throughout most publications, so we tweet things of interest to us as well. We have interviewed fans and all sorts of people. We've even done an interview with Alessandro Cercati of Parma, now trying to make his mark in world football. But I can't let you go without going through our Serie A Rewind for the week. And we're putting together a Lega Football Player Card Series. We've already had two or three up on our Twitter profile. This week, we rewind to 1994-95. Pier Paolo Bresciani is not a name that is common even amongst the Serie A football purists, but Bresciani 
was the standout player of the season, the former Milan youth striker who partnered Igor Kolivanov up front that season for Foggia for the Rossoneri. He ended up scoring 11 times that season in all competitions, scored on match day two of 1994-95 against Brescia, and you can check that player card online. That Foggia side also featuring Francesco Mancini and Luigi Di Biagio. Bresciani is our Serie A Rewind. Signore, signore, thanks for joining us. I'm your host, David Farini. Ci sentiamo. Enjoy your culture over the weekend. This is Lego Football.